what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey, Denver, if you are in the tech business, IT, anything like that, you need to mark your calendars for Thursday, March 26th of this year, 2020, for the sea level at Mile High. I went last year, and it's incredible. Formed some great relationships. John Cox, Aaron Bach, uh, podcast guests, met at this event, and it's the biggest fundraiser for the Colorado Technology Association. And it's a way to get in front of C-level people. They're actually the celebrities for the event and have legitimate conversations. It's just a wonderful networking event, first class. It's actually at Empower Field at Mile High, which <laughs> how long has it been that? Um, but it's uh, where the, Bro- the Denver Broncos play football. So uh, take a look at the coloradotechnology.org, C-level at Mile High, and check it out. You need to be there. If you can handle everything at Startup Week in front of the, just a room full of strangers. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thanks for listening. I'm here with my friend Anna Costello. She is the uh, founder and owner of Ship Sunshine and another business called Drop Ship Like It's Hot. I had to make sure I said that right. Funny, I chose two business names that you really have to enunciate. (laughs) (laughs) But they're memorable. Yeah, hopefully for the right reasons. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Thanks for making the time and uh, thanks for chatting about this. This is great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So take me through the two businesses, Ship Sunshine and Drop Ship Like It's Hot. Yeah, so Ship Sunshine, um, I started really just kind of by accident. I feel like a lot of my friends from St. Petersburg and Florida, where I'm from, um, would be going through things and I'd want to celebrate with them or let them know I'm thinking of them. And I'd always send little care packages. And I remember thinking it should be prettier than a just plain, boring, brown uh, box. And so I started to decorate them and, and have so much fun doing that. And I really decided to kind of make a collection of gift boxes all designed to brighten somebody's day. And I'd been working on that kind of on the side when I was working for um, my old company and I had a total millennial eat, pray, love moment where I quit my job, <laughs> went to you. a yoga retreat in Bali and sat on the beach and, wow. and thought, what do I want to do with my life? And I thought, you know, I really want to find some ways to spread sunshine and help make people happy and let people know that they're thinking of them. So Ship Sunshine was born. <laughs> so the name, um, I think it's kind of like a, easy question for asking like a band like where the name yeah. come from but it is a perfect name and what was the origin and how many iterations did you go through to get to that name yeah that's a good question I have to think back to all of that um I think the the main thing was I was trying to find a name that was kind of functional and practical but also memorable and I think um I came up with the idea send sunshine and was all heartbroken because at the time that domain was taken and then my mom, the marketing genius, came up with Ship Sunshine. So in that sense, maybe it was two iterations, but <laughs> I have to give credit to my mother. <laughs> well, start simple right? yeah. and then collaborate. So that always makes it better and I think easier. Mm-hmm. And I just love the idea of like sunshine in a box or when um, somebody get something, they don't know they're receiving it, like the surprise and delight of it, and then opening it up and like literally feeling like it's a hug in a box or sunshine in a box. We played a lot um, with those variations. So like we talked about before we were recording sort of the origin stories of this podcast. So your millennial moment, (laughs) what was your, you don't have to name the company, but what was your role and what was it like a landing like a piano or was it like a feather that led you to quit and go to Bali? Wow, that's a good uh, analogy there. Um, so I was doing product management, business development, and I really kind of started my career in journalism and then went to the, as they call it, dark side, the advertising <laughs> side, <laughs> and ended up in mostly product management type roles, which I think really helped me figure out how to build something from scratch. And I love the idea of either 
starting with something fresh or blowing something up and kind of retweaking and re-optimizing it. And, you know, I think the company was just such a great company to work for. I feel really fortunate for that. But um, at the same time, like we launched this new product. It was awesome. We had so much momentum. We were doing everything from like wireframes to um, going out to clients and, you know, getting buy-in and doing training and then figuring out a marketing plan and, and just in the financials and touching every aspect. And then I think it got to be more of an established product, which is like every product manager's dream, you know. Um, but I think at that point it became a little bit more maintenance mode and day-to-day and there weren't any like major new features or major new um, partnerships. And so I was just kind of ready for a change at that point. But no trigger event. It was just kind of faded, it sounds like. Yeah, maybe more of your feather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've thought about that too. It's like when things feel easy, when I've accomplished something that feels easy, <clears throat> I know that I've done the hard work before. Yeah. So I, the analogy I use is like it's the, you, know, you go to the driving range and hit that perfect seven iron shot. Well, you don't remember that it's been years and hours and hours on the range shanking balls and getting blisters and frustrations. And then you finally hit that one. It's like, oh, so I've, <laughs> I've sort of said a silent prayer of thanks that, oh, I've, I've done the hard work at that point. Yeah, so. that's great. So the the origin of Ship Sunshine, did anybody tell you that this would be a great business or it was just like, what was the step from doing it for your friends to like, this is going to be a thing? Yeah, I actually feel like a lot of people told me it'd be a terrible business. (laughs) I'm thinking about it. Um, I mean, you know, I'm honestly, I've learned so much, especially about a product based business and having to make the investment and and figuring out the inventory. And there's certain things that I purchased that I thought will absolutely rock it. And then they don't. And then there are certain things where I'm like, I'm just going to buy like 100 and I can't keep them in stock. So that side of the business is, is totally um, a whole different uh, learning curve. But in terms of making it into a business, um, I mean, so my boyfriend Marty would laugh. Like I had planned to get back from Bali and take the summer off. And so I got back in March. And um, the day that I got back, Um, I remember waking up and dealing with some grogginess with the time change and so forth, but I was like relaxed and ready to go. And I cleaned the house and I like was organizing all this stuff and I was trying to figure out what to do with myself. And Marty and I don't talk often during the day. He's a teacher, so he's busy, you know, Mm. molding the minds of America. And um, (laughs) I remember texting him and I think I just said like, hi. And he responded like, do not tell me you are bored the the day that you are back before noon. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to need to like find a project or do something. And so I really just started like working on the website and kind of wireframing what I wanted and essentially shopping, like looking at all these potential suppliers and so forth. And so I feel like I'd intended to take time off, but I just dove right in. Yeah. (laughs) So you've got the same disease I've got where the thought of watching three hours of football on a Sunday sounds like a great idea until I get on the sofa for about 15 minutes. I still love football, but I'll yeah. um, I'll be doing a lot of stuff in between. Yeah. At one point, I was like watching a football game, and I had a podcast on, and then I thought I really wanted to look at this book that somebody had got me. And Marty's like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> so yeah, I tend to jump into a lot of things at once. <laughs> yeah, we we'd have a good time watching football because we would just be get all a lot the done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, talk me through the. your suppliers because I know that the customers are going to tell you what they like but you've got to start with somewhere and what's your inventory management like how much stuff do you order you know and is it seasonal like I'm fascinated by that because I have a handful of products but I couldn't imagine having to combine them you know sets of things into a shipment so yeah, the inventory management side is is such a challenge, and it's something that I'm still learning like every day and learning totally the hard way. Um, so one of my goals, just I mean, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to start my own business was so I could insert my own values into it, and I wanted to be sure to pick suppliers and um, companies to work with that I kind of could um, believe in and get behind and support and want to support them, and so. Um, about 60% of my products are local and women-owned, 
And um, I've really gotten lucky in the sense of working with some amazing people. And uh, I think when I look for products, and I've learned so much, like I look back at some of my inventory that I have still from day one, and I'm in the process of kind of looking at things to retire and then looking at things to re-up. But um, when I look at my products, I try to find something that's a combination of like functional and cheery. And I think one of my goals for this next round will be, you know, when somebody receives a box, we want it to be something that'll obviously make them smile and kind of get the warm fuzzies that somebody that they know was thinking of them. Um, but also be useful stuff so it doesn't just end up in the landfill. Um, so I've been trying to find products that have like either um, specialty food items, which, you know, it's nice just to get a box of treats, um, but also things that people can use um, and keep around instead of like just toss. <laughs> so what goes into a sample box? Um, what would be um, something, some of those items that you had mentioned, what would be a shipment? Yeah, so I'm trying to think of the top sellers. Um, we've got a Colorado box. It's called Colorado with the emphasis mm -hmm. on red. And that's all women-owned um, products or women-designed products. And that um, has like coffee and like a CBD salve and um, like a whiskey-tinted um, lip balm from our friends at Glow & Gather. They're awesome. Um, it also oh, they has were a, at Startup Week. Yeah, 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 you met Sarita, yeah. Yeah, she's great. Um, they, we also have like a Colorado flag koozie and um, I'm trying to think what else is in that box that might be. It, oh, no, um, the Mountains Are Calling sticker, which is designed locally by um, the team over at Yellow Dog. Um, and so like really like when we put together a box, we try to have like a theme, obviously. Um, and so a lot of it will be like a combination of food, maybe like a mug with a cheery saying on it or a nice design on it. Um, some things that are useful in the way of like chapstick or food items or um, we've got one that's really popular called Tired as a Mother for new moms, especially <laughs> because, you know, um, with with when people have kids and I don't have any experience here, just all of my friends who have had kids, um, it seems like so much of the um, initial flurry of activity is based around the baby, which maybe it should be. I don't know. Um, they get tons of stuff at the baby shower and then people always want to buy onesies and stuff like that and so I wanted to kind of take a unique take on that because one I don't know anything about babies or what they would need and I think you know moms should be or and are really particular about the things that they want to like give their kids in the way of like lotion or food or you know anything of the sort um but I feel like once the um initial activity and flurry of like grandparents coming in town and people visiting at the hospitals and people bringing over casseroles etc and then that's when like you're exhausted you have this newborn that you're responsible for keeping alive <laughs> yeah. you're sleep deprived you know and all of this sorts i wanted to find something to kind of bring mom a little of sunshine and reminder to take care of herself as well so i, I try to think of like scenarios that um people kind of need a little extra love and sunshine and and try to curate a collection for that that's a real thing i remember bringing my son home from the hospital and um it was an easy two days well easy for me because <clears throat> i'm the man i didn't do anything <laughs> right but i remember just uh they walked us out and off you go and we're kind of like wait, the nurses aren't going with us? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what am I wait, supposed to do here? we've got to take care of this this little guy? Like, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a shock. It's like, wow. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, Christmas morning, the presents are all unwrapped. It's like, now what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How old is your son now? He's 22. Oh, gosh. Okay, so that was a little <laughs> bit ago. <laughs> yeah, I say I've got a, a man and a daughter. So my daughter's 17. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Um, how tough was it at the start? And I asked this question of entrepreneurs, like, was there a moment of hopelessness? Was there a point where, yeah, I'm going to go get a job? How close were you to folding this up? Yeah, I mean, actually, I think at the start, it was so easy. Because for me, I had so mm. many things that I know I needed to do. I'm really good at, like, making lists and stuff. So I had lists everywhere in terms of, um, what like and and kind of in sequential order like the things that I needed to tackle um, I think it was really like after about a year and a half that it got to be exhausting because I think in the beginning you're 
you know, like living off of creative ideas and adrenaline and so much support, you know, from your network. And my mom always says the first, uh, the only job um, for an entrepreneur in the first year is to survive. And then I feel like about um, a year and a half in, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what do I do next? And I think that um, at that point, I was um, certainly growing and, and having a lot of like what I define as like little wins, but I wasn't making enough money to have any help. And so I felt like I was literally on 24 seven. I would wake up in the middle of the night and look at my email in the event that I was gonna like take care of an order at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, I'm not sure the logic, like looking back on it, but it just felt like everything was on my shoulders and I didn't wanna let anybody down. And I was like feeling like I needed to be accessible every minute of every day. And I remember having like, um, so Sundays the post office is closed, so I don't usually do as much. Um, and then Monday might have been like President's Day or MLK Day or something. And I remember having two days in a row where the post office is closed, and I was like, "This is amazing! Like this is what a weekend feels like, you know, <laughs> just not having to be on, you know, that whole time." So yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I just I felt like it was more fun, and now I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I, this is a business that I'm trying to make legitimate and have to make work." And I think the um, Thing that can be easy to forget or at least it has been for me is you know you go all in on this and you're working seven days a week and very long days and it's really easy to kind of neglect yourself and your life and um, I think that that's one of those that I've just kind of gotten clarity on the fact that like I'm arguably the most valuable resource in my company and I need to be um, taking care of myself in order for me to like continue to build or grow upon this. And so I've been, I think I overcorrected a little bit and like over the holiday, like I, I made bread, like homemade bread. And it was a very long labor of love, which is an amazing process. But I was like, I just need to do things to like, that aren't efficient, you know, to find joy and to spark joy and to have um, something that isn't work related. So like, yeah, I moved all the furniture in the house and I made bread and I, um, started crocheting, <laughs> but I think it's important to find those things to, to balance it out, you know? It's, it's good for us to do that, right? Because at some point, <clears throat> you know, crocheting or baking or sweeping the garage floor, that is just <laughs> the, uh, the simplest task. It can be restorative. And I think that there's something amazing about like that you can see the results from it yes. immediately. Yeah. I haven't had the desire to sweep the garage floor, but maybe I should try that. <laughs> well, the job I had in college, I worked the uh, maintenance crew at a golf course, and there was a very clear, a very clear evidence of where I had been. I was mowing mm -hmm. the greens and the tees and the fairways, and I could see <clears throat> immediate feedback that I had done something. And it's so different than shooting an email or a social media post or anything where. Yeah, just having a tangible result of effort is rewarding. It's so satisfying. I I, uh, I think I've um, matured a little bit from college power hour, and I've started <laughs> like my own efficiency, like productivity power hour, where I just try to like knock out a bunch of tasks or things that have just been like adding up on the list, like clearing out the inbox, like stuff like that. Feels so amazing just to kind of get things off your plate, off your mental out of your mental space and, and so forth. But like when I make a list and I cross something off, it's so satisfying because you're like, okay, I'm making progress. I can see it. <laughs> when in the day is your power hour? So I usually, I think I'm the type of person I've learned that I kind of like my space to be clear, like my mental space, my physical space, et cetera, first thing in the morning. And there's a lot of um, research or stuff that kind of uh, contradicts that philosophy of getting everything done in the morning because that's when your brain's the um, probably the most awake and functional. But for me, it just works to kind of start with a little bit more of a clear slate. Sure. So I try not to do anything like book any meetings or anything first thing in the morning. I'll get everything kind of organized. I'll make a list for the day and then I'll just start knocking out the bigger projects and stuff. Or Sunday night when I'm like, oh my God, I have so many things to do this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get this list done. <laughs> Well, going back to what you said about making the list and um, the momentum and quitting, and I've seen this in a lot of different um, descriptions, and I've seen it in some military unit where they had one standing rule that was attack. When they were faced with something, just attack. And 
I've seen it in learned optimism where if you just do something, you're going to feel better Mm -hmm. about it. And it might not be the most appropriate thing. It might not be the best thing, but you're doing something and taking control and having a direction and it, it makes me feel better. So when I start getting overwhelmed or discouraged with anything in my life, I'm like, well, do something, Mm -hmm. just take an action, like, you know, send an email or make a phone call or do something tangible to move something forward and feel like I'm executing something. And, you know, I love that because I think you have to start somewhere, no matter what it is, if it's Mm -hmm. a small task or a big project. And I kind of subscribe to the mindset, like, if you start something and you're going the right direction, great. If it's the wrong direction, then okay, you know and you have an opportunity to correct it. And I feel like a lot of people can get so lost in the, I'm not sure what to do so I don't do anything. And then I just think of that as opportunity cost. Like how much time and energy are you wasting on not doing anything versus starting to your point, just attacking and figuring it out as you go? Yeah. <clears throat> Nobody knows anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning that more and more, (laughs) especially about myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, people sometimes go, how are you so calm? It's like, well, I'm inherently optimistic, but I also coming from a recovering software engineer background where I had to think about failure modes and, you know, errors and things like that. Like I I expect things to go wrong, but not in a negative, pessimistic sense. And so when shit goes sideways, it's like, kind of like, all right, this is expected. And nothing survives first contact, especially when you're creating something, right? right? Like, how are you going to know? Yeah, absolutely. You have such an interesting background, software, sales, and marketing. (laughs) You're like all over the place. No kidding. (laughs) I had a recruiter look at my resume two years ago and say, this is is like a rainbow. You're uh, a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. But I, I've, like the past 15 years, I think, of my career, I've, I've taken jobs where I've needed them, but I've also been fortunate enough where this looks like an interesting challenge. And in rare cases, once or twice, it's been a unique blend of my hobbies, my skill sets, my passions, and it's like, yeah, lead an interesting life. So... Because I remember, I may have told the story before um, on the podcast or not, but the first <clears throat> three months I worked at Valley Lab up in Boulder as a software engineer for an electrosurgical device company. So I was writing software for them. Um, I gravitated towards the sales and marketing department and brand new out of college. I didn't know HR, fine. I didn't know anything, right? But these people in sales and marketing excuse me, were so much fun that I would just be at their happy hours. And then (laughs) this guy who was, I've I've tried to find him and I can't, um, Bill Kingston, he had said, you should come work for me. And at that point I was in my box of being, well, I went to school as an engineer. I have to be an engineer, da, 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 and never considered it. <clears throat> and I don't look back anymore. That's a trait that I had to correct in myself. But I'm doing it now, and I guess the timing kind of works the way that it should. Yeah. But you know, even back then, people were like, "You should not be an engineer." And so <laughs> I did it for like seven years, and had a headache. And wow. yeah, yeah. But I got great skills out of it, yeah. right? Like setting up the the microphones in this podcast, right? It's like if you have a process, it makes things a lot smoother. And coming from like an ADD brain and disorganization and things like that. Like engineering did teach me some very, very valuable skills. Do you find, so I know you have your own um, brand. Do you you find like using your sales and marketing background for your own brand is more difficult than it is when you're trying to sell somebody else's product or service? That's a great question. I feel like I have some sort of mental block or or um, maybe I'm too close to it or something, but I find myself getting really excited to promote other people's products and services. Like I can come up with like at the very minimum, like a social media post mm-hmm. or, you know, that even the copy for it, which doesn't sound profound, but when I sit down to do my own, I'm like, what do I say? I don't know what to do, but I, I find it so much easier to promote other people's stuff than I do my own for some reason. 
It's been easier the past three years. So the warm front's been alive kind of in one way, shape, or form since like 2005. Mm -hmm. But really with commitment and intent, I would say like the past four years. Mm -hmm. And the hesitation that I had um, years ago in promoting it was because the product wasn't where I knew it could be. But to your point, you got to start somewhere sure. and you have to get something out. You have to have a prototype. And, you know, if that first prototype isn't an ugly dog, you know, it's not, you're not ever going to refine it. So. No dogs are ugly. <laughs> <laughs> that good point. <laughs> There's somebody for everybody. Yep. Right? <clears throat> um, but it wasn't that I was embarrassed about it and I would still promote it, but I would self limit. Because I wouldn't approach people that I felt were, I guess, professional, mm -hmm. right? And now I've taken it to the point with the help of a lot of different partners and vendors and process and recommendations where I would stack this up against anything you'd see in REI. But it's taken a while to get there. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I think also because it's, it's like a, placing a consultant, right? If let's just make up some company. If you're in the, the office there and you're an employee and you're saying, hey, we've got to fix all these things. I think there's this inherent bias that because you work there, you don't know what's going on. Hmm. So, and this isn't every company, but sometimes a consultant comes in and says, oh, we got to do this, this, and this, this. It's exactly what the other person has been saying. Right. <laughs> oh, but because we're paying you 3X what your salary is, like, yeah. of course you know what's going on. So I think... And in a way, you and I are artists and we're creators. And I think no matter how hard I've tried to separate myself from it, there's still like a little grain, a little atom of like, this is kind of me, right? Mm -hmm. And so if somebody like, let's just say at Startup Week, you've got your um, ship sunshine table there and somebody comes up and they're like, hmm, I'd never send that to you. Right. Well, a fuck them because <laughs> they're not everybody's going to be your customer. Sure. But in a way, it's you and they're they're rejecting your dog. They're yeah. telling you your dog is ugly or your baby's ugly. So I think that all plays into it. Hmm. But, you know, and it's one of those weird things where um, I think the universe provides and there's been times where I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then all of a sudden I'll get a review or get an order or somebody will do a post on Instagram. And I was like, wow, they, they really like this. Yeah. But I think that's what makes our companies better and evolve and have those individual success stories is that we're critical of it and we think it can always get better. The ones that are in danger are the ones that are like, we're perfect. And like I saw this, uh, email newsletter today about Ring being tone deaf about their security concerns. Like they're going, it's the customer's problem. It's not our problem. I don't care what you're selling or what your product is. If the customers are telling you something and you're not trying to figure out the piece of truth in that, mm -hmm. you're toast. And such indifference in their solution or lack of solution. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> interesting. That's a good point because, you know, I mean, I've probably have very literally put my blood, sweat, and tears into sure. um, Ship Sunshine and Dropship Like It's Hot. And I haven't thought about it in those terms. I'll have to unpack that a little bit. But I, it's certainly something that I've noticed because I get so excited for, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I'm really fortunate is I've surrounded myself with so many entrepreneurs and people that are just going for it and like doing exactly what they're meant to be doing, which is so exciting. Um, and I get so excited about their businesses. And I have a tendency to stick my head where it doesn't belong always and I had one friend who was telling me that he was um, kind of looking for some new ways to engage with his um, existing customers and, and bring on new people and and you know my mind just started going a thousand miles an hour and I said to him like you can totally disregard and I'm overstepping in every way, shape, or form. But here's a three-page Google document of all of these ideas that you can take advantage of. And I think he looked at me like I was crazy, which I, I get often. But um, I think it was just one of those things I was so excited to like jump in and, and maybe attack this problem, you know, or or tackle this or brainstorm about these ideas. And then there's a whole list of things that I should be doing 
for Ship Sunshine or I could be doing. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll get to that at some point or, <laughs> or I'm going to hire somebody to help me with that. But yeah, I think it might be you're too close to it or something. I will give anybody advice on their business, but I make them sign like a virtual waiver. Yeah. And I go, look, I will listen to this and I will help you. But one of the things like, I'm going to get you fired up and get you excited because (laughs) I'm one of those ones. It's like, let's just push the button and see what happens. Right. Yeah. And so don't ask me for advice. If you don't want me to like, you know, pour gas in the tank and start the motor and help push you up the hill. Because, you know, if you know, you don't want to get excited about this, let's not talk about it because my first response is like what it could be. You know, that same thing with the Google docs, like, Oh, you should do this, do this, talk to this guy, talk to this woman, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, but if they don't want to hear that, and I've scared some people <laughs> where they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, hey, these are just ideas, right? Yeah. But like, don't bring me in if you don't want me to get excited about it. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, that could actually be, not that I need to start another business or, or idea, but that could actually be a service like let's swap like energy and experience and have a fresh set of eyes. And I'll look at your business, you look at my business and kind of make a fun day of it or something. Let's do that. Okay. Let's. Oh, I'm signing your virtual waiver right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as fancy, so well, this will just be proof of it. <laughs> we'll shake hands after this yep. is done. But yeah, yeah, I've heard those called like mastermind groups, and yeah. I really don't like, there's some terminologies I don't like, but you know, brand awareness and influencers, like there's certain words that just kind of bother me, but yeah, let's yeah, do that. Let's I would do, love to. Let's do like thinking and drinking. I've done a couple of thinking and drinking like focus groups or whatever they're called, but I think it's Perfect. just so much more fun to to tackle it with somebody because I think, I don't know if you've experienced this and now I'm very fortunate to have a couple people helping me and, and such an amazing like team of people, um, but it can be really lonely and isolating being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and sometimes like I will rattle around a decision in my head like it's, you know, huge like monumental and it's not, but it's because I'm the only one thinking about it. I don't have any help like approaching it from a different angle or experience. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like, gosh, I'm making all these decisions by myself. Are they right? Like, what do I do? And so I think it's nice just to have somebody to even like say some things out loud to, and then of course get their perspective and experience. Let's do it. Awesome. <laughs> we should record that because that could get interesting. Like after um, less of the thinking and more of the drinking. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we'll, we'll set up the mics and yeah. see what happens. We'll just kind of put them off to the side so they're not obtrusive. But <clears throat> And you're really good that. at editing, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, one of the things that we had done together was Startup Week. Mm-hmm. And that was the Fireside Chats. And you were paired with uh, Margaret from Bach Baby because <clears throat> I wanted to talk about your mission, your values, your charitable side of your business and being core to how it operates and I think the 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 mission. And so with Ship Sunshine, <laughs> what is that and you know and how did, how did you arrive at that being so important to your business? Yeah. So so first of all, um thank you for letting me participate in that. And it was so great to get to know Margaret and Bach Baby and I love what they're doing. Um, and I just think in general, Denver Startup Week is such a gift to mm-hmm. our community. It's so cool to be part of that and to have that just as a resource in general. Um, in terms of starting a, biz- a values-based business, I guess, um, I almost feel like I didn't put thought into it just because I knew that was what I wanted to do. Um, like I said before, I think one of the reasons why I did start my business is because there were just certain things that I felt like right or I wanted to contribute to and I want to be able to like build a business model to help me do that more effectively and I think um, pretty typical of me I went all in on so many different things (laughs) that I think in this next year um, I really want to like focus my um, give back efforts a little bit more so I can be more impactful to a smaller number of causes or things that I care about Um, I know a couple things out of the gate, like I wanted all of my packaging material to be eco-friendly. So I've sourced a bunch of stuff that's like biodegradable, recyclable, recycled, et cetera. Um, that can present a challenge in itself, like a little tangent here, because, you know, as a startup and I'm not making, I wasn't making any money and I didn't like have much money, you know, to start this venture. And I was looking at like 
tape because I know that people will like recycle a cardboard box and then the tape on it won't be recyclable and that presents a problem. And so I found this tape that was biodegradable and um, it's literally like six times more expensive than regular tape, which is frustrating because, you know, you want to do these values driven things, but it often can cost more money. And um, it's certainly just a decision that I made, but it's something that I certainly want to explore ways to make um, things that are eco-friendly or more sustainable, um, a little bit more cost effective, especially for small businesses. So I thought it'd be fun to do like a co-op where we could buy like Anybody who needs tape, if I can mm. buy a thousand of them, then we get a better price and we can just pass that along. But again, not trying to start another business. Um, so, <laughs> um, shiny up. Yep, yep. <laughs> In terms of the other stuff, I mean, you know, I just feel like I grew up um, surrounded with people that just cared about so many different things. And I feel like that's just been ingrained in me. And so, with Ship Sunshine, you know, for certain boxes, especially because they have themes like we try to find organizations that we can support um, either donating a percentage of proceeds to or we try to um, I've got like a cause of the month um, that we focus on so in um, February it's random acts of kindness we're just sending sunshine out to people and and kind of bringing awareness to different um, ways that you can spread sunshine even without spending any money and and so my goal is to really kind of like infuse the things that we care about in every aspect that we can um but i'm realizing now that i do probably need to rein it in a little bit to be more impactful to certain causes or, or to really like hone in on the three or four that we really care about and want to make a difference on because there's so many things that i care about that it's tough to, to prioritize <laughs> and to decide <laughs> but if you pick one you've had an impact yeah and that's the thing is that you know you can you can recycle this aluminum can or not, and it's in the grand scheme of things, it's noise in the system, but you've done one thing that is going to make a difference. You know, I used to get really overwhelmed and upset about um, stuff like that. Like, does it make a difference to do one can, you know, and, and I wanted to do it and like a broader, have a broader impact. But I feel like, you know, there's only so many things you can control. And like, for example, like this, like, scrap paper are like our scrap um, shipping labels that I just decided to use as notepads and stuff because you try I'm just trying to reuse and re recycle as mm -hmm. much as I can and then find things like do I really need to buy this product or use this product and and um, I think you know if everybody just took a little bit more of a conscious effort not even a drastic like completely lifestyle changing one because you know everybody has their different levels of what they deem to be realistic obviously um, but I feel like it just makes such a difference if everyone can just do a little bit. And I think part of that's just spreading awareness and educating versus being preachy and judgy about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think some, some people, some companies should, could find that balance. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or try to. Yeah, I'm pumping the brakes on a couple of different examples. But I think, <laughs> I think everybody knows some in their life, so that's probably specific enough. Yeah. <laughs> Was, that was an all-over-the-place response. <laughs> I love it. Um, was there a product that you took a chance on that we're uncertain of, but like the customers just completely went bonkers for that absolutely surprised you? Ooh, good question. You know, so I have um, a lot of these um, pop-open cards that um, – they have different themes like shine or happy day or thank you or holiday cheer. And it's basically just 30 days of um, little reminders. Mm. And so you literally like pop them open. They're made of recycled paper and or, or cardboard. And um, they just have like a happy saying on them. And I think that's like so indicative of my brand too. It's just like a little cheer here and there. And, and I get so many messages that people have said like, oh, I, I opened one of my cards and it said exactly what I needed it to that day and it just started my day off right so um, all of those are really popular um, I've been exploring more custom stuff um, so I invested in some like sublimation equipment to do like custom printing so technical and um, those have become more and more popular because I think generally people either want to have a gift that's thoughtful and they don't have really a lot of time to kind of Think about it and so they just want to send it off and then there are some people that have something that they want to customize like everything in it and so i think that side will certainly start to grow um or has started to grow more and more 
That's cool. <clears throat> and it's all in your perspective, right? You know, we're looking out at the, the sun and, and the snow, and I'm focusing on the blue sky and how pretty it is. And now that was something I had to really work on, right? Yeah. Not looking at what something is not, but what it is. And it's, I don't want to say trite, but like thinking about something that is positive and makes somebody happy, there's a huge amount of value in that. And maybe they were neutral at that point, but you definitely tipped the needle when they opened that card. Mm -hmm. And it's not um, childish and it's just very, very positive. And those things, I think they absolutely matter to one person in their day. And I, I do believe in the butterfly effect and that can have a, an absolute impact on that. And after this recording, I'm not going to remember sitting on I-25 for an hour. I'm going to remember <laughs> Which, like, thank you for that. <laughs> my pleasure. It's I got an audio book and I just get lost in it. But like, that's <clears throat> what I've trained to, that's how I want to feel. Yeah. And I'm not a Pollyanna and, and not rose colored glasses, but sort of looking like, well, how big a deal is this really? And so leaving here, this is what I'm going to remember. It's not the drive. It's no big deal. Yeah. But yeah, I think, and this is a very roundabout way of just complimenting your concept and your business and the impact. I mean, are you going to change the world? Maybe, maybe not, but you're going to change one person's perspective on that day mm-hmm. and strengthen that relationship and forge that bond between those people. And yeah, you know, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Thank you. I so appreciate that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, my goal when I, and I wrote this down somewhere, my goal is really to kind of make being thoughtful and actionable mindset. Mm. I I hear so many people say like, so-and-so is going through this and I'm not sure what to do for them. Um, And so I didn't do anything. And and I've personally been super, super guilty of that too. Like everybody has the best of intentions. And so if I can make the idea of like sending somebody, you know, a thoughtful gift, whether it's a um, friend, family member, client, you know, whomever, something. And I think, again, the surprise and delight of receiving something like physical in the mail, you don't know you're getting it, you get to open it, and it's kind of a delightful unboxing experience, hopefully, um, really just can bring a smile. And, and to your point, I hope that there's a ripple effect of that. And and just making it super easy to be thoughtful and to let somebody know you're thinking about them and, and then the feeling that that person gets and hopefully they want to spread that on and, and continue to pay it forward. Well, I'm going back to what we talked about with just taking action. If you know of somebody that's struggling, just even an emoji, right, that they're not mm-hmm. alone going through this. My buddy just lost his mom last week and felt bad I couldn't make it down to the funeral, but it was last Friday was the snow day. But Um, I set a reminder for 10 days before Mother's Day this year to just, because like you said, after the the relatives have gone, the casseroles are gone, the baby's there, and it's just the, you know, the two people raising that kid or the one person raising the kid. And it's like, yeah, when things are back to normal for everybody, it's like, you know, that's that's when people are needed the most. It gets quiet, yeah. Yeah, when it gets quiet, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's very thoughtful. I'm sorry to hear about your friend's mom. Mm. It's going to happen to everybody, yeah. but yeah, it's, I think it's important to be, to be there continually rather than just, you know, for the one event. And it was, it was a tough decision for me not to go off on that tangent, yeah. but it was like, he was the best man at my wedding and I was there for his dad when he lost his dad a couple of years ago. And it was not something I took lightly, but it was just, man, you know, looking at, driving to Trinidad from Denver. I was like, gee, this is, it was not something like a coin flip. It was something I had agonized over for two days looking at the forecast, but yeah, I I can make a difference in the future. So absolutely. And and I do, I think it is just those people know people are, you know, generally reasonable and, and, and know like that is not a decision you made lately, but if there's things that you can do to just check in, to let them know you're thinking of him. I mean, I think that's wonderful and, and it is what you can do, you know? Yeah. So I admire people that are organized and disciplined because I didn't start there. And over the course of my adult life, I've tried to cultivate that. And I have two questions here. So um, there's probably not one magic bullet that's accounted for your growth. But what was one thing that you look back on? It's like, oh, this, um, this tool or this action, this helped motivate and motivate things forward. 
You know, honestly, I think it's really been just getting out there and kind of getting out of my comfort zone and meeting with people. Mm. Um, I have just met so many amazing people. Like I said, a lot of, I've joined a lot of organizations too, like Good Business Colorado, Be Civic, um, Jen Morris, she's amazing. Uh, we launched, we co-launched um, Gather Networking, which is a women's entrepreneurial group. And I think, honestly, one of the reasons, I mean, she totally tricked me into it. We have a very different opinion of what <laughs> happened. But one of the reasons why I wanted to start a networking group is because it's not natural for me to just go out there and, like, walk up to somebody and introduce myself. Um, but I feel like just building connection with people and building a community um, of people that will continue to inspire you and advocate for you and connect you with people and so forth. Like right now, I've just barely started dabbling with um, people who know what they're doing to like market and advertise and all of this stuff. But most of my growth has really been organic just through the amazing group of people that I've surrounded myself with. So I'm so appreciative of that. And that's not something that's easy to do. Like I think sometimes when I walk through the doors of the Ship Sunshine headquarters, <laughs> which is very small, um, I'll sit down and I'll be in front of my computer and I'll think of all the tasks that I need to do and people will reach out and I'm like, oh my God, do I have time to meet with so-and-so or do whatever? But it's really like the most important thing, in my opinion, that um, that I've done to just connect to people and, and hopefully help them in a little way too. But um, just having people who um, kind of think of you and advocate for you is so much more impactful than somebody just seeing an ad, you know, power scrolling on Facebook or something like that. So yeah, I would say that's been most effective. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then are there tools that you use? Um, it could be pen and paper or apps on the phone or the computer that you found are productive that haven't had, that have had an impact. Yeah. Um, I think I have my own crazy convoluted <laughs> task system that seems to work for me, but I use like a combination of um, email tasks, which people say not to do, but I love the idea of like having all of my to-dos like in one spot. Sure. And then um, I'll make a list, just a paper list of my, what I need to focus on today. So I'm not leaving the office until I get the today list done. And then I'll schedule things out in Google tasks. To, um, to help me remember, like, oh, I need to do so-and-so or do something on so-and-so date or whatever. Um, but it seems to work for me for the most part. I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> that's, that's the key. I've had to resist that because some of my email subscriptions are, here are the top 10 productivity hacks yeah. you need. And my, my ADD goes haywire when I see that because I'm like, something new <laughs> right it was like it's not the boring stuff i've been working on for a year and like the processes i have in place there so yeah. i've got to like hold on so in those cases i'll allow myself right like in an hour i can look at this and then i can't do anything about it i'll just maybe make a note like read wow. through it so but it's it's hard and that's the thing it's like it, i think the uh the business practices are subjective kind of mm -hmm. like Coke versus Pepsi, dogs, cats, right? Like something that's worked for somebody may or may not work for you or may not work for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of goes back to the idea of attack. Like just try something and yeah. you can tell if something's not working for you for sure. You know, yeah. I've tried to be better about like time blocking, you know, um, Mondays I'm trying to leave completely for me. Just get mm -hmm. in, catch up from the weekend, do whatever I need to do, plan the week, um, and then I try to like block my meetings like Tuesday mornings or Thursday mornings or Wednesdays or, you know, whatever it is. And um, so, I, so I leave myself chunks of time to get things done because mm. I could justify just about anything from a procrastination <laughs> standpoint. And I'm like, oh, well, I only have, you know, 40 minutes. I shouldn't start on this <laughs> to totally contradict what we were talking about earlier. But I think like having chunks of time is really a gift in your day and, and then your power hours to get things done to just kind of clear your headspace. Yeah. I've also tried to subscribe to the idea that if it's a minute or less or two minutes or less or whatever you deem to be the right amount of time to just get it done and um, not have it cloud up a to-do list or your mm. inbox or your headspace or anything of the sort and just knock it out. Like getting back to somebody on when would be a good time to meet or like answering a quick response to an email. Um, yeah. Something like that. Mm. That's been helpful too. I just finished listening to Indistractable. 
that was a recommendation by uh, on. <laughs> I'm <laughs> writing that down. I don't even no, know what it is. Don't. But... <laughs> oh, oh. No, it's good. It's really good. But um, you and I both have come across the time blocking and that's ultimately where he's going because it's the book came out this year. He's talking about the phones and the apps and all that stuff. But <clears throat> I actually have a list I keep on my scanner, my printer, and it's in different colors. I get the like the, the markers for some reason. And literally the first thing on that list is check my calendar. Mm-hmm. So everything goes in my calendar, this podcast included, but I sometimes forget to look at it. <laughs> so, and it's time blocked. I don't have um, durations assigned to that, but like in order, and I'm, again, this is my engineer mind coming out where it's hard work to build an engine, but once you build the engine and run it, then that's where the efficiency comes in. Yeah. And I even have down at the bottom, which I still need to get back to this, like, you know, send texts, right? Because, or, you know, then scheduling's at the bottom, check the calendars at the top, where my philosophy is that if I'm doing it more regular and not being so tied to that, that the efficiencies will come through. And I won't, because the thing I hate, well, let me back up. I hate getting organized <laughs> and I hate looking for stuff. Yeah. But I hate looking for stuff more. So I'll make myself get organized so mm-hmm. I don't have to look for stuff. And you know, when I was talking about this podcast setup, like I've forgotten power cords and stuff where I'm scrambling and like that wheel spin drives me crazy. And so I find that if I just at least put little pointers to other things and those go go to all other apps, that at least it makes it a little bit more predictable. And then I can be looking at the windshield and truly listening to an audio book and being lost in it and not going, oh shit, did I put the is that there or where oh I didn't get in his address I was like because I hate that yeah the most well and I think that also goes along the line of like only touch quote-unquote touch something once Mm -hmm. you know like get everything you need to get done in this or like don't read an email and then think like oh I just need to do a quick response and then come back and read it you know like whatever you can do to finish that task in its entirety like us coordinating a time and figuring out the location and how much time we need you know whatever it is just touch it once um, the other book that I read, and this is a while ago, which, um, which was Gretchen Rubin's The Happiness Project. Have you heard oh, of that? I've heard of it, yeah. So what I like about it is, um, she's intense <laughs> and I like that, but I, there's only so much you can do. So, you know, you have to read it with a grain of salt, but, um, she breaks down happiness kind of in, in practical chapters. And one of them was like organization and you know you you have like a spot in your house that something always piles up there and it's just like a chaotic space and she's like okay so whatever the um downstream you know like feelings like you hate having to scramble for something is like what's the root cause of that and then try to figure out a solution for that which you've done obviously with what we were going through with your packing and so forth (laughs) but i think the idea is like deal with something once, you know, instead of having to deal with this, like every time you do a podcast and scrambling and so forth, nope, just take a step back and think what needs to be done here to make this process more efficient or to make this more organized or whatever it is. And then she talks about every other chapter of your life. So there's times I've gone back and read specific um, chapters because she's, what I like about her is she's very, um, she's really authentic, but she's also really actionable Hmm. in terms of what her recommendations or steps she's taken. And then you can um, craft that or tailor that to your, your habits. I like that. I will check that out because for me, it's about getting the stuff out of my head Yes. and managing the distraction. And my particular form of ADD is that I pay attention to everything all the time. And when I can get single minded and single focused, I feel peaceful. And that's kind of the bargain I'll make with myself is that I like the being present, being focused and in the moment. And I realized that all the other stuff that I don't like, I do for that reason. Yeah. God, that <clears throat> takes discipline. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> it's, it's a B minus. It's not, it's not very good. <laughs> I wish I was better at it. <laughs> all things to strive towards. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Perfection is a destination, right? yeah. not an end point. Uh, so where did drop ship like it's hot? come from in the the continuum of your story? 
I mean, again, that kind of started by accident in the sense that, um, you know, I'm shipping a lot of different things with Ship Sunshine and people would ask me, like, what's the best way to ship this? Or could you purchase this label for me because I get a discount um, versus going like to a direct carrier? And um, then I had a couple of friends just ask, like, okay, so... I'm not going to do all of that. Would you, would you do that? And I'm really fortunate in the space that I'm in. I have a lot of um, office space and storage space. And so um, I brought on a couple of like just friends and their products and then had a couple of referrals mm. and, and that side of the business has really grown, um, which is awesome to kind of offset the retail calendar of Ship Sunshine. I feel yeah. like everything together, working together is evened out. Um but I was telling you that I basically started the new business because I was going to do it under Ship Sunshine. And then I thought of the name Dropship Like It's Hot and was so entertained that I was like, yeah, I'm going to need to make that an LLC. You know, <laughs> like, why wouldn't I start a new business just because I'm entertained by the name? Um, but that side of the business has been really fun. And, and I've um, focused on really kind of like the unboxing experience, I think, with Ship Sunshine. Um, you know, we obviously want something to get point A, point B, safe and sound, but we want it to look really delightful. And I think with the drop shipping business and order fulfillment, a huge part of your customer's experience is um, receiving the product that you've worked so hard to like sell them. And so we try to find ways to kind of upgrade the shipping experience or find branded tissue paper and branded um, uh, like tape or packaging supplies or anything of the sort to kind of make that um, unboxing experience a little bit more delightful for them. Well, it, it does matter. It mm -hmm. does influence. I mean, people wouldn't buy uh, a BMW if the dealership was, you know, in a dirt lot. There's something to be said for the, the control of the experience with the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you did great. This is awesome. Oh, good. <laughs> Are we done? <laughs> well, we're, we're, like I said, we're at an hour. And it just, it flew by. Yeah. And so I want to be respectful of your time. But So uh, where can people find these two really cool companies? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we're on Instagram and Facebook um, at Ship Sunshine or at Drop Ship Like It's Hot. Um, people can reach out to me at any time, too, um, with questions or um, if I can help in a small way in their businesses, I'm um, just Anna at Ship Sunshine or Anna at dropshiplikeitshot.com. And um, I'd love to just kind of continue the conversation with you or if anybody is listening and I can help, I'd love to, to chat with people. I love connecting with people. And, and if there's anything I can do to help, I'm happy to. Yeah, we'll do our thinking and drinking in the next couple of months. And Let's get that schedule and we'll figure out all of the aspects of it so we only have to deal with it once. And <laughs> we'll do that the second we'll that we good. stop recording. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out startup week too. We got to figure oh out some way to be involved. It's up. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it seems insane. I, I still feel like it's October of last year. Like where my headspace is at this year is just like come on so strong and flying by already. Yeah. That's crazy. What was the sports team we were talking about? We were going to do this this fall. We're... Oh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. yeah. You're you're the first Rays fan I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. It's just, there's not a whole lot of, I just don't know any Florida baseball yeah. fans. Yeah, I, I did get my heart broken a little bit in October, but uh, spring training starting soon. And it'll be a fresh new start. And I think we'll be pretty good this year, knock on wood. <laughs> Is that your sport, baseball? Yeah, I do. I grew up watching the Rays. They're awesome. Oh, cool. All right. Better luck this year. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, All Anna, right. it's been great. Thank you so much for um, doing this, and it's been it's been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I love talking with you. Thanks. If you like this show, I have a very simple and quick favor to ask. Would you please share it with one person who you think might enjoy it? And maybe they've never even heard of podcasting or never listened to one, but maybe help get them set up with how to actually download and listen to content. If you get outside and that's on a bike or skis or snowboard, snowshoeing, or you simply don't like being cold, take a look at the Warm Front Chest Warmer. This is a company I started years ago and with the help of a great number of people got this company and this product off the ground. It is a thermal chest warmer, which is a fancy name for a bib. It is handmade here in Colorado by my business partner, Linda, of Polar Tech Fleece. There's two different weights. But 
the concept is to insulate your core while you're outside. And so like mom always said, put on a hat to keep you warm. Keeping your core warm while you're moving through the cool or cold air, or you're simply just tired of being cold. One of my customers, Sue, doesn't cycle, doesn't run. Uh, she's actually a breast cancer survivor, and she got tired of her reconstructive implants being cold. So take a look. Uh, I guarantee it personally. It is handmade in Colorado here, like I said. And uh, it's been a fun venture. It's still growing. It's still going. But take a look at thewarmfront.com. That is T-H-E-W-A-R-M-F-R-O-N-T.